Welcome to this week five edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points. I am Bruce Monin, your host. Also checking in from the greater Cincinnati area, home of the, for some reason, number 31 ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. We have our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin. Apparently that victory wasn't impressive enough. Apparently not. We dropped four spots. Our Bearcats did improve to two and one with a 38 to 17 win over the Miami Redhawks. Miami. They are a good rival. It's a great game, but it um, it doesn't tend to get impressed the uh, whatever the ranking system is. Whoever does the voting, right? Whoever does the voting doesn't seem to be impressed by Miami. There you go. Hopefully next up to get their whooping, 3-0 and <laughs> Indiana arrives for a game at Nippert Stadium. Indiana's hoping for revenge for the 38-24 to loss they took to UC at Indiana last year. And to be honest, Cincinnati did not play all that well in that game, so I have hope for the whooping. Hope <laughs> <laughs> for the whooping. Okay, okay. Good to know. So that's my big excitement to look forward to this weekend. As I don't believe we've mentioned often, if ever, on here, Rebecca and I have a little side thing where we actually have a slight interest in figure skating. Rebecca is much more than mine. Mine is left over from watching Wide World of Sports with my mother back in the old days. We're going to call this big doings in the world of figure skating, Rebecca. There was big doings in the world of figure skating last week. Yeah. So we're going to hit up this section of the podcast where we talk about sports that aren't football. And probably aren't interesting to our our um, demographic as much as the football is, <laughs> but yeah, it's the figure skating season is kicking up. They just had got over their break. It usually starts now in September and goes until May ish, maybe summer's off. So we're starting up the international competitions, and that means this is the first opportunity for some skaters to break out their new tricks. And one of them did. There's a, a young man named Ilya Malinin from here somewhere. I think his parents are Ukrainian or Uzbek. But they moved to America. He started skating. He has an Instagram name. He calls himself the Quad God for good reason. Um, he landed this week at the U.S. International Classic in Lake Placid, New York. The very first quadruple axle to ever be landed in competition, which is a big deal. So for people who don't know spinning sports, quadruple is four times rotating around in the air before you land. A quadruple axle is fun because the axle is a specific type of jump where you take off on a different foot that you then you land on, which means you need another in facing a different direction, which means you need another half rotation. So it's four and a half rotations in the air with the only propulsion being from your strength pushing up against the ice and any speed going into it. So that's what, four times 360? It's like, let me do the math. It's a lot of rotations and nobody ever has landed it ever. 1,620 degrees, I believe. 1,620 degrees. And this kid, he's 17 years old. He's been doing it in practice for about eight months now. My Twitter's to be believed. It's the first one to do it. And if any of you watch the Olympics even a little bit, you'll know that we have kind of a, a legend of an ice skater in the U.S. right now, Nathan Chen. He and the other legend in ice skating, Yuzu Hanyu, both tried 
all last year to land a quad axle to the sacrifice of their own programs and did not come anywhere near close. Like they injured themselves multiple times trying. And this kid's just like, nah, I'll do it in my first real senior competition in my first real showing. I'll just pop one out. It's casual. It's fine. Just like we were talking about with cycling, it's that darn youth again, messing things up for the wily old veterans. Huh? See, I have a theory that nobody tells them it's not possible and they just go out and do it because they don't know they're not supposed to be able to. <laughs> I've heard that theory in several other sports, and I believe there is something to that. They don't know what they can't do yet. <laughs> Same with uh, the, the Russian women in ice skating. The, despite, there's a bit of drama over there because their training camps are not ethical in any sort of way. And they tend to break their skaters a lot younger than any other place because of that and the doping. They crank out girls who can land triple axles at like 15 and that's insane. It's not, not the standard by any means. Something unethical going on in Russia. I'm shocked. Shocked. Yeah. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? Yes. I actually saw the video of that quadruple axle, and I have to tell you, all I really see about it is there's a whole lot of spinning around in the air going on. I How they say, yes, he hit the quadruple, I'd say, well, he spun a lot, is what I would say if I was announcing. I I'm getting pretty proud of myself. I can tell the difference between a double and a triple pretty easily when I watch it because it just doesn't feel right. So I'm guessing it's something similar where you're like, I know approximately how long it takes to be in the air when you do this and what it looks like. And that was more. So I'm I, nobody has the time to count those. No. <laughs> you have to stop it and go frame by frame to count all those revolutions. It's, it's a lot of feel and knowing what they have planned. And I noticed last year, I watched enough figure skating to note that they've gone to the instant replay on such things now, just like the NFL. They, they go back and look at the tape and say, oh, nope, only four and three H revolutions. That's not good enough. Yeah, I started to be able to tell when they under-rotate, too. <laughs> you can see where their blade lands, and they do a little curve around because it didn't spin right. It's great. We're not quite to the point yet where the opposition coaches throw a red flag on the ice so that they have to stop. and. and no, the judges the still have a full say, and nobody contests them during competition, at least. But there is other drama in the figure skating world right now in that the competitions where these happened were only available for live stream on Peacock, nowhere else. And also Peacock didn't save the recording. So you, if you didn't oh. watch it live, it doesn't exist. And really? people are Peacock saves everything. What is this? <laughs> people are very upset about that because these are like international competitions where records are being set and there's no proof unless you happen to be recording on your TV or computer at home. Ooh. So well I hope that's only on the skating. I'm planning on going back tonight and watching the world cycling championships in the time trial that I missed this weekend. That better there's, be there. There's a theory it's because the ice skating programs have copyright music and Peacock doesn't want to deal with that oh i bet i bet there's a number of old television shows that before they can put them in syndication they have to scrub out the music that they used in them or else they have to spend a lot of money mm -hmm. yeah so people are not happy with peacock at the moment i bet not also the air they aired the competitions with no commentary or overlays or anything so it was just a quiet video feed with occasional music in the background and it was you had to know what you were watching. It's kind of like if you watch a high school football game on one of those uh, 
I forget the initials, NFHS or something like that feed. There's some stadium type of feed in their basketball gyms or on their football field where you can watch the game, but there's no commentary going on. It really is different without the commentary. It very much is. Shall we move on to the scores of the week? Yes, we shall. I heard my voice may have been appropriated for the song going forward. We did have a viewer request that we, for scores of the week, we swap out that music for just having Rebecca singing. Maybe in the future. You know, if we could figure out like a Twitter poll that people would actually respond to, that would be cool to get feedback on. But for right now, I enjoy the terribleness of the automated recording in its own right for being so bad. I think if I listened to myself being bad, I would have less enjoyment. Although, note, I never listen to the podcast, so it wouldn't really bother me that much. You've inspired me, Rebecca. Oh, boy. I am going to learn how to do a Twitter poll this week. I bet it's easy. It probably is. And we will get a Twitter poll up and see if anyone votes. It'll I'll be vote. Huffman Family Singers, Bad Computer Version, or New Rebecca Version. <laughs> Put a little teaser out there. Back to our scores of the week. We are doing a special Thursday night edition of Scores of the Week. Scores of the Week. I am using all scores from games that happened on Thursday night this week. Why? I had time on Friday morning. (laughs) All right. Our first score, Dayton Poenitz, 37, Thurlgood Marshall, 34. According to the Twitter updates I was receiving, Thurgood Marshall recovered two onside kicks in a row, the last one of a minute 45 remaining. They scored after the first one. However, they were unable to score on the last drive. And Poenitz preserved the old three-point victory. An exciting game down in Dayton. The second score of the week, Columbus East 28, Dayton Belmont 0. Oh. Doesn't sound very exciting there. No, but sounds like a blowout. According to the unofficial stats, Columbus East had three safeties. That's something. And Belmont ended up with minus 33 yards for the game. That makes sense with the three safeties. And the zero points. And the zero points. And our final score of the week from up in the northeast corner of the state, Parma Normandy 20, Lakewood 14. Parma Normandy. Gotta love it, huh? Yeah. Normandy defense stopped Lakewood on fourth down and goal from the one yard line for the win. It was a, I see that on Twitter too. It was a big dramatic stop right near the goal line. Yeah, that's some, that's a high tension fourth quarter right there. Yeah, there were some good games on Thursday night and one pretty bad game apparently, but it had three safeties. So we liked it. <laughs> it is a fun fact. <laughs> There were a couple of good scores among Parma Normandy, by the way, is in Cleveland. I knew it was near there. There were, by the way, a few other interesting scores that happened on the rest of the weekend among teams we follow. We'll kind of work a couple of those scores in here during the podcast. As usual, we are starting with Division II Region 8. Nice and predictable. And in what I thought was an intriguing little factoid here, Number five, Piqua, defeated number 10, Sydney, last week. Mm. As a result of that game, the winner, Piqua, dropped one position in the standings. 
while the loser, Sydney, moved up two spots. Sydney must have had a really good week for whoever teams they beat. Yeah, it's a combination of the influence of second-level points and the uh, how the teams around them in the standings did. But anyway, that was intriguing enough. I thought it deserved a little mention here. At number six, we have Troy. They did get rewarded for their win. They beat one and four Fairborn this week. And we could say they are now playoff bound along with Piqua. Good for them. Heading on down to Region 10 in Division 3. We have Defiance is now number 11. I am told Defiance is a young sophomore laden team. Mm. Such teams tend to improve as they experience success or sometimes go the other way if they do not. But Defiance has had some success so far this year. They are actually a touchdown favorite against 4-1 Elida this week. Mm. A potential big computer point game for Defiance. That'll be exciting to watch. Moving over to Region 11 in Division 3. We follow Bell Fountain there. They are 4-1 now. They fell two spots after beating one win Ben Logan two weeks ago. This week, they dropped three more spots after defeating winless Indian Lake. So once again, not a big reward for beating teams that don't have any wins on the season. True. They can reverse this trend if they can beat three and two Tecumseh this week. It is always a little odd to see that four and one next to a number 10 team. Yes, it is. One more region in Division Three. We have Region 12. Four and one Wapakoneta, now number six in the rankings. They join undefeated. Tippecanoe at number two as playoff-bound teams that we follow in this region. Nice, nice, nice. Congrats, Wapakoneta. Three and two, Salina moved up six spots in the standings, up to number nine by beating four and one, Elida, 17 to three. And in return, Elida drops five spots down to number 13. So those teams basically swap places in the standings. And as such, Salina suddenly looks a whole lot better off than Elida when it comes to grabbing a playoff spot later on this season. Another team we follow here, Vandalia Butler, two and three right now, currently number 18. They may need to win this week when they play two and two Dayton Stebbins if they want to keep their realistic playoff hopes alive. So watch that Vandalia Butler game this weekend. Moving down to Division Four in Region 14. We had a big game this week between Van Wert and St. Mary's. Van Wert won the game 70 to 41. 70. Yes, that sounds like a score of the week, don't you think? Did the offense have time to breathe? I have not watched the game yet. I heard commentary from some people who decided to watch the replay. They thought, boy, there must be a whole lot of 70-yard running plays and long bombs, and they said there weren't. There were just a lot of drives that were all successful, and they didn't waste any time. So, Goodness. I mean, that's a pretty high score on both sides. It kind of feels like the defense was not as engaged as they could have been. Yeah, my thought was the defensive coordinators were pulling their hair out during that game. Mm -hmm. Now, in a way, it kind of, it somewhat has to be that way. You need both teams to score a lot of points to get that high or else that running clock kicks in and shuts the game down before the score can get that high. That is a good point. St. Mary's wasn't scoring. There would have been a running clock would have slowed down Van Wert. Plus they wanted to kept scoring themselves. They just started putting in the backups. Mm-hmm. As long as the game stays close, the touchdowns keep piling up, apparently. 
This win moves Van Wert up to number three, St. Mary's number eight. Both these teams, big favorites in all five of their final games. So you figure Van Wert will probably end the season ahead of St. Mary's and they'll both end up near where they're at now, if not higher. Gotcha. At number 11, Wauseon is looking good for the playoffs, but they would really benefit from defeating two and three Evergreen this week. In the next two weeks, they play four and one Patrick Henry and four and one Delta. They may need to win one of those games also to make sure they get in the playoffs. Checking in at number 15, we have Napoleon. What is their record there, Rebecca? Their record appears to be one and four. It's not one looking promising for going forward. One and four for Napoleon. That sounds bad, but they're still 15th. I figure they need to win the next two weeks to keep in the playoff hunt. Of course, they're playing two winless teams those weeks, Maumee and Holland Springfield. So they should might, have a chance, right? It'll They'll have a chance. It might not make much of a difference to their points either way. I believe my... Looking at Drew Pasteur's site, he says three wins and they have a chance if they just win those two. I don't know how good of a chance, but they have a chance. And then we have Brian is at number 18 and Ben Logan at number 19. They're living right on the edge of a playoff invitation. Brian is not favored, but has a winnable game against 4-1 Patrick Henry this week. Winnable. Okay. I think they're officially like a seven-point underdog, if I remember right. Is it at Brian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is at home against Patrick Henry this week. Okay. Yeah. Another reason it's winnable. Ben Logan has an easier task, it appears. They play winless Indian Lake this week. So look for Ben Logan to hang on around the edge of the playoffs when we check in next week at this time. Now, the next region... Division 4, Region 15, 16, sorry, 16. I'm seeing no colors whatsoever. Does that mean none of the teams we follow have locked in a spot? That is correct. None have locked in a spot. None have have been locked out of the playoffs either. It's the division of uncertainty here. That is right. Our top team there right now is 3-2 and Urbana. They rise five spots this week up to number six after beating 2-3 and Kenton Ridge. Urbana is pretty likely for the playoffs. We're not guaranteeing it yet. And if they can defeat two and three Graham this week, they're even looking fairly good to be able to host a first round game. So you may see some color on Urbana in the near future here, Rebecca. That'll be nice. Get some green up in there. We mentioned that game, Urbana against Graham. That is much more important for number 11 Graham. If they lose that game, they're going to have to fight very hard later on this season to grab one of the final seeds in the region. And Drew Pastor basically says this game is a toss-up. So Ooh. nice game to keep your eye on, see what happens this week. Tension for both teams, not sure who's going to win. Exactly. At number 22, we have Tip City Bethel. They earned their first victory of the year over Covington that last week. Unfortunately for our, our uh, friends in Covington, a lot of people are earning victories at Gopher Covington this year. They're having a down year compared to how historically good they are. That's for sure. But back to Bethel, they need to beat two and three Sydney Lehman this week if they want to get into the playoff hunt. And we'll talk about Sydney Lehman later. I believe this is also a very important game for that team. So another interesting game to keep your eye on. Next, we have Division 5. We'll start with Region 18. 
There is no change in the playoff status for any of the teams we follow in this region. Mm. Liberty Center stays at number one. They had a nice 16 to zero win over number nine Archbold last week. You'll remember we highlighted that game on last week's podcast. Archbold has another big opportunity this week, though. They can get some revenge. They're playing number six, Delta. <laughs> Delta's four and one. Computer points are plenty there, too. huh? Lots of juicy points to scoop up. Down at number 14, Tenora suffered a mild upset loss to undefeated Antwerp. It's hard to call it an upset if you lose to an undefeated team, but when the undefeated team's a division or two lower, eh, yeah, it gets a little iffy. Yeah. But anyway, they suffered a, a loss last week. They need three more wins to secure that postseason spot. So a win this week over two and three Wayne Trace is very important for Tenora. Down at number 16, right on the bubble, we have Liberty Benton. They are heavily favored this week. But on the other side of the bubble, number 23, Spencerville, number 25, Swanton, and number 26, Ottawa Glandorf are all very large underdogs. At number 19, Bluffton has a very important game against three and two Convoy Crestview this week. Mm-hmm. Bluffton is likely out of playoff contention if they can't get this win. Now, Convoy Crestview is a name that comes up quite a bit, so I'm imagining they're not going to be an easy team to beat. You would think not. You see them in the playoffs many a year. Moving on to Region 20 in Division 5. This is the opposite of Region 16. Every team we follow here is colored, which means they're, they have a playoff status right now. None of them are changed from last week, however, so maybe it's not so different. I mean, when... Every team in the region has established that it's either in the playoffs guaranteed or out of the playoffs guaranteed. It's hard for them to change. Now that's every team we follow, which is four teams. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The entire playoffs have not been determined in week five yet. That is correct. (laughs) And even still, there's still time for there to be wiggle room within the playoffs. See who's seated where. Oh, absolutely. So to start with, undefeated Milton Union stays put at number two. They don't even move their position in the charts. They will probably still be undefeated at the end of the season, and they will probably still be number two at the end of the season. Although they might be close to number one, I believe they're in a tussle with Springfield Northeastern, if I remember correctly. Just a little farther down at four and one, we have number six, Jamestown Greenview. They are between a three and seven touchdown favorite in their remaining five games. So their closest game is expected to be within three touchdowns. And a lot of some of their other games, not anywhere near that close. So expect to see Jamestown Greenview staying up in the rankings. Although if they're that much of a favorite, that probably means the teams are playing aren't worth that many computer points too. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. At number eight, three and one Preble Shawnee is in the same boat, pretty much, except they have a week nine game against Ansonia, which is probably pretty much a toss up. So they've got one really tough one left. They're heavily favored in all the rest of their game. So I'm noticing that Preble Shawnee did not win or lose last game. That is correct. Was that a forfeit or did they were they not able to schedule because someone withdrew? That was, they had a team cancel on them earlier this year. I'm trying to think who that was. Bradford? I believe it was Bradford when they canceled their season. Mm. And Preble Shawnee was either unable or unwilling to reschedule someone else for that game. Gotcha. 
I think they may be the only team Bradford canceled out on who did not find someone else to play. Hmm. So they're not taking a ding to their points. That just means that the total number of points will be divided by a smaller number of games. Yes. The, the rankings go by something called the average. We had a podcast that went in all the deep details of the numbers at last year, I believe, but basically it means all of their points will get divided by nine, which is the number of games they played instead of by 10 this year. So shouldn't really cause them any harm in the computer point. In fact, a game against someone like Bradford probably would not have been worth much, and they might actually come out farther ahead by taking the off week. Which would be a motivation for not scheduling another game there. Well, for not get depends on who you would schedule, of course. Exactly, yeah. Of course, what's nice in these days of 16 teams in the playoffs, if you're good enough, you should not worry about it and get the kids a game to play, right? That would be the more sporting thing to do, yeah. Okay, heading over to Division 6. We're getting into the smaller schools now, which also means we have more teams to talk about in every region. We sure do. We'll start with Region 22. The top team we follow here, Columbus Grove, is number eight. They dropped two places after losing to 4-1 Allen East last week. Hmm. Watched part of that. Allen East looks good, by the way. Columbus Grove has a tough game this week against 3-2 and two Lipsick, but the schedule gets much, much easier in their final four games. At number 10, Patrick Henry also has a tough game this week. They play 2-3 and three Brian, who is uh, a little bit larger team. So maybe a little tougher than the record would indicate. A win pretty much locks Patrick Henry into the playoffs. So big game for Patrick Henry. It sure would. At number 12, Mount Blanchard Riverdale pretty much secured their postseason spot by defeating one and four Van Buren. They are major underdogs the next four games they play before finishing against one and four Arcadia. It's a good thing they're probably about their playoff-wise already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not going to get as many opportunities for easy points. That's for sure. Likewise, number 16, Evergreen, a big underdog their next four weeks before they finish against one and four Swanton. Big opportunities for them, but it's going to be difficult to win. And at number 15, we have Wayne Trace. They may need an upset over three and two Tenora to stay in the top 16. Wayne Trace currently two and three, but had a nice win last week to get up there into 15th in the rankings right now. So it looks like they're a solid quarter of a point above the number 16 cut line. Yes, they have an average computer point right now of 2.35. 2.10 is what is needed to be 16th place. So they're not there by a lot, that's for sure. Division 6, Region 23, West Jefferson. West Jeff. Took another loss this week. Oh, no. They're now number 7. They could fall to 3-3. and They play 5-0 and Springfield Northeastern this week. It's possible they could make the playoffs with just their current three wins. And that's not a bad thing because their final five opponents have a combined record of 17-8. and Just a prediction, I think West Jeff pulls at least one or two wins out of those five games, however. I like the optimism. Continuing Division 6 over in Region 24, we have a new color on the board. Number one, Marion Local is now orange on our notes. I know that means nothing to you people listening. Does that mean more danger since it's close to red? 
no, that's just the best color I had available. <laughs> okay. Um, that's, they're almost it like means more... success because it's similar to Minster's colors, and we love those. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> what it means here is we're saying Marion Local cannot finish outside of the top four. They will get into playoffs. They will host their first playoff game. And if they win that one, they will host their second playoff game. Then we get to the neutral site games after that. But right now it looks like Marion Local should really finish no worse than third in this region. What a wild time. Okay. You look at the average computer points there. We see Marion Local in double digits, 10.75. In second place is Versailles at 7.25. Quite the gap. Quite the gap. Three and a half points in between them. That's more than the lowest team in the playoffs needs to get there. That is correct. We get weird numbers out of Marion Local, seems like every year, don't we? Yeah. There's something in the water or in the uh, the brew barn over there. <laughs> now, the other four teams guaranteed to make the playoffs in this region, at least the, the teams that we follow, number two, Versailles, number three, Allen East, number four, Tri-Village, and number seven, National Trail. All won this week to improve to four and one records. Wow. National, that is a strong upper half. Yes, it is. National Trail actually fell four positions. Because everyone else won. And they beat winless New Lebanon Dixie. Uh-huh. But yeah, they were just, they were moved forward a little bit like they were on a bicycle when everyone else was in a NASCAR. Just, <laughs> right on past. At number 12, Parkway. I'm just guessing they're unlikely to win this week as they play undefeated Coldwater. Oh, yeah. They finish against three and two Minster, two and three Fort Recovery, one and four Delphi St. John's, and two and three Anna, which sounds like a lot of winnable games, if not gimmies. They one certainly win sound the, winnable. Yep. One win in those games might get them about a 15 or a 16 seed in the playoffs. Two wins guarantees them into the playoffs and makes it very likely they can avoid playing Marion Local in the first round. <laughs> the Versailles. goal for everyone in this region. Yeah. Or Versailles. Bad enough playing Versailles, but you don't want to play Marion Local. Right? It's just a bad first round. Down at number 15, Twin Valley South. They have a tough game this week against 4-1 Ansonia. Number 18, Arcanum, also a tough game against 4-1 National Trail. And down at 19, Anna, currently two and three. They could really use a win over one and four Delphi St. John's this week. It would make the rest of their season so much better. They could get this win. And Covington, we mentioned earlier they're having a tough year. They have joined New Lebanon Dixie as our out-of-contention teams in this region. Speaking of out-of-contention teams, in Division 7, Region 26, we're going to start on that end. Oh, mixing it up. Might as well. Lima Perry. I'm afraid we're having them join Corey Rawson and Van Lu as teams who are now out of contention. I believe last week we called it the Van Lu category. And because we went on to learn a little bit about the history of Van Lu, founded by some guy, something Van Lu, Frederick, William, something like that. I forget what his first name was. Mr. Van Lu, yes. Which we turned into a story about Franz Joseph Stallo, the founder of Stallo's Town, which became Minster. I have a slight correction or slash update to that story, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. I wandered across the street this week to talk to Minster Town historian Mary Oldigas. 
She says Franz Joseph Stallo wasn't necessarily hated. He just <laughs> fell out of favor. So not that we didn't want his name on anything. It's just that we thought of better ones. Yeah. He died after only being here less than a year from cholera, which killed off a lot of the early settlers here. It, it sure did. But he People was always guy... seem surprised when I mention we have a mass grave in our hometown. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. We have, a mass, <laughs> we have a mass grave in our hometown. There's just one crossover, and it just they just shoved all the bodies from the collar in there all at once. They didn't take time for individual burial. That the, corner of the cemetery so is higher than the other sides. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. a rough time for early Minster people. Yes, it was. Real rough. Old Franz Joseph Stallo, he was the guy who originally plotted out the lands and sold land to the residents who came here. He then had to take the deeds and the paperwork over to the county seat, which was in Salina at the time. That's a long way. And there were no roads from Salina to Minster at that time. Some would argue there still aren't. That darn lake's in the way. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah, that was a tough trip. So he didn't head over there every time he sold a new piece of land to someone. He let the deeds build up a little bit. And when he got a pile of them, he would make oh, no. a trip. Does this mean that when he died of cholera, there was a stack of unfiled deeds in his house? That is exactly what that means. <laughs> oh, no. And some people said, hey, old Franzi was trying to jip us. He was trying oh. to steal our money. Now I feel like we're editorializing again. <laughs> so there was a meeting at the town hotel. And people decided, we can't have the town named after this guy anymore. And they started throwing out all kinds of names. And apparently they suggested almost like new every city in Germany. <laughs> Everyone they could come up with before they decided on Munster. I have not heard yet how that became Minster, but somehow it did. Maybe an error in the filing office. Apparently during the whole town name debate process, the hotel bar was being liberally accessed. Oh, I'm sure. And across the street, there was a hand-carved sign that said Stallow's Town attached to a tree. Several members, after the name change, decided they needed to get rid of the old sign. So instead of a hammer, of course, they took out their guns, went across the street, and blew it off the tree. <laughs> Ooh, those early settlers. Believe it or not, the naming of Minster involved misunderstandings accusations alcohol and guns what's the odds <laughs> <laughs> well really set the standard for the rest of the town's existence huh yes i was explaining to someone today that i don't go to really go to cincinnati's oktoberfest because i get my fill of oktoberfest and people at minster's oktoberfest which is in october and she was scandalized she's like that's not oktoberfest that's a festival in october you can't even put a k in there and I'm like no we do it's, it's less about the german heritage than it should be <laughs> but it should be in october it's an oktoberfest i mean come on although i know the real scandalized one, the new ones the real one in germany starts in september does it not mm -hmm. shall we continue with division seven Back to the top of Region 26. Number one, Antwerp. Number three, Defiance Ayersville. And number five, Macomb are all newly playoff bound. Joining number two, Waynesfield, Goshen. Number six, Arlington. And number eight, Pandora, Gilboa. So we have lots of teams we follow in this region already 
counting on those postseason games. Six of them. All six of those teams, big favorites this week. Big favorites, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) At number three, Ayersville, the big mover this week. They beat number seven, Edgerton, who's four and one, 42 to 22. Edgerton fell six spots with the loss. Oh, they were number one before? Yes. Now they're number seven. And you'll notice. Not guaranteed for the playoffs. Not guaranteed for the playoffs. That is correct. It's almost like the computer knew they would lose or something. Or made a logical prediction. There you go. And also the rest of their schedule isn't as great. Yeah, something like that. Here's your convoy crest view, Rebecca. Currently number 10. Nice to see them. They may need a win over three and two Bluffton this week to make sure they reach the playoffs. They are big favorites in two of their five games, and they are big underdogs in the other two games. That means this is the one game that's kind of up for grabs. Okay. Number 14, Harden Northern in a similar situation as they face two and three Marion Elgin this week. And one of these years, I'll find out whether it's Elgin or Elgin. But We should find someone and ask them. Yes. Preferably someone who lives there. Yes, all my people from Marion that I don't know anyone. Well, I'm sure we'd only take a couple beers at the bar before somebody talks to you. I could just go around asking everyone I meet at Minster Oktoberfest. Surely someone from Marion will be there. Someone would give you an opinion. I don't know if you could trust it. (laughs) You know, it. No, the school is out in the middle of nowhere, so I don't know if there's going to be a convenient bar to... um, ask yes it's not the marion city it school. is not the main school for marion the That'd city, be marion no. harding i believe yes or and marion pleasant is another country school out there surrounding marion yeah you might get better results going to new bloomington you know i used to know a guy on jj huddle in the day marion pleasant dad i bet you marion he would know pleasant dad. i bet you he would know how to pronounce elgin or Elgin. You know, in New Bloomington, there's both a sports bar and grill and a dairy bar. So two options to catch someone who knows what Elgin school district is pronounced like. Yeah, because I drive through Marion so often. This isn't even, this is New Bloomington. I've never driven through New Bloomington. I don't think I've ever driven through Marion, Ohio. I think I have one time. Maybe that just means I should get out more. I mean, There's not a whole lot of reason to go up there because Columbus is to the south and Sandusky is to the north, and there are better highways to get to both of those. But you could take, you know, if you ever wanted to go to Sandusky, Cedar Point from Cincinnati, we could just hop on four. It goes all the way there, and it goes straight through Marion. And then Bucyrus. I've never been to Bucyrus either. I'm not surprised. I have nothing against Bucyrus. No, it's just in that, that fun middle zone of Ohio that we never get to. Yeah. Cleveland is big. Sorry. <laughs> I just zoomed out. I'm like, wow. I guess Akron's right there too, but dang, there's a lot of suburbs. Back to football. <laughs> we have Lipsick at number 13. I have been to Lipsick. <laughs> it is slightly off the, the regular path we take heading up north, but you only have to go over just a little bit. I took my bicycle through there on a ride once. I went through Lipsick. So. But anyway, Lipsick has an interesting game. 
this week against three and two Columbus Grove. Not exactly life or death for Lipsick, but never hurts to win these close games. Also, number 15, Lima Central Catholic has a big game against four and one Hopewell Loudon. Lima Central Catholic needs at least one more win, but they are a slight underdog in their final four games. So have to pull the upset in one of those. No better time than the present, right? Mm-hmm. Might as well do it now. Notice at number 16, we have Delphus Jefferson. They moved up seven spots from 23 last week after beating Convoy, Convoy Crestview. Yep. <laughs> Delphus Jefferson, big favorites over number 20, Ada, this week. We also have number 18, Upper Soto Valley. They are big favorites this week against winless Lima Perry, which if you want to make the playoffs, you better be a big favorite against winless teams. Yeah. And not a great sign if you're not. And hanging on for dear life at number 22, we have Delphi St. John's. They desperately need a win, playing two and three Anna this week. Again, a winnable game, but no such thing as an easy one in, down in the, uh, when you're playing similar record teams in the MAC, that's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Rebecca, finally. Did we, f- we finally made it. We finally made it. Over to Region 28, where we have slightly less, but not that many less teams to follow. If you'll notice in the little notes there, number 16 at the moment has 1.15 points. Just to highlight, it doesn't take much to make the playoffs in Region 28. 1.15. And as you shall see, as we discuss later on, that becomes quite evident that it it does at the moment does not take a whole lot. Uh in contention in this region now many of our top teams took losses this week number two new bremen number three ansonia number four mechanicsburg and number five south charleston southeastern seems like they didn't move much though no they did not that leaves springfield central catholic as our number one ranked team in this region Ah, yeah that'll do it Joining these four teams in the playoff-bound category, we are now adding number five to Graff Riverside and number seven, Minster. Oh, boy. Never thought I'd see the day. We haven't been down for that long, Rebecca. Come on. No, but we were really down when we were down. <laughs> Riverside had a nice 28-22 win over Dayton Northridge last week. Minster had a nice 39-21 victory over two and three Anna. Uh, one other playoff bound team in this region, Fort Laramie, has been for a couple of weeks now. Oh, they beat winless Dayton Dunbar 34 to 22. Looking down a little closer to the bubble at number 11, Fort Recovery. They actually fell one spot after beating one and four Delphi St. John's, but boy, their playoff chances really improved. Oh, good. They are not officially in yet. But there's, they have something like a 2 or 3% chance of not making the playoffs if they lose the rest of their games. Two okay. wins is pretty much enough. Fort Recovery beat that Urbana team we talked about earlier to start the year, and the second-level points just keep a-coming. At number 13, Sydney Lehman moved up five places by beating winless Miami East. Huh. There you go. Beat winless Miami East. And the and you move up five spots in the bottom of this region. It is not good in the bottom of this region. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it looks like Lehman needs one or two more wins, but they face three one and four teams before the season is over. 
So they have the chance to get those wins. Now, apparently one and four will get you a lot of points. <laughs> it won't get you that many points, but you don't need that many. <laughs> <laughs> we have Cedarville, a bubble team at number 14. They need another two wins to get into playoffs. Unfortunately for them, they are big underdogs in four of their five remaining games. So they need to win the one they're not a big underdog, and they need an upset somewhere. At number 15, St. Henry may only need one more win to get that second one to make the playoffs. But they are an underdog in all five remaining games. Oh, Now, they're not an underdog by that much in some of them. So one win is not out of the question for St. Henry. But it's not going to be easy. They're going to have to work for it. At number 15, Troy Christian. A big favorite in one of their upcoming games, a big underdog in two of them. They're going to need about two wins to make the playoffs. So their two big games are the last two of the season, two games that are basically toss-ups. They need to win the one they're favored in and pull out one of those final two. So I'm sure we'll be talking about Troy Christian weeks nine and ten of the season here. Oh, I'm sure. At number 17, we have a couple of teams tied for that spot, Mississippi Valley and Tri-County North. They each are going to have to pull off a big upset against somebody to get into the into contention for the playoffs again. So we'll see if they do pull off the upset. We'll be talking about them. If they don't, we may we not hear too much more from them. We'll talk about them anyway, because that's what we do, right? <laughs> that's what we do. Even when nobody asks for it, we talk. <laughs> and finally, in the eight-man division, we had two big games last week. 3-1 Toledo Christian takes over the top spot. They defeated 3-1 Stryker 56-22. Both teams are now 3-1. Toledo Christian has 3.65 on the computer point. Stryker only 2.60. So Toledo Christian bringing in the second level points. The other big game was 2-1 Holgate. Took over third place with a 44-26 win over 1-2 Lakeside Danbury. Holgate goes up to 2.4 in the computer points, so they're almost in second. Look for a fight between Stryker and Holgate for that number two spot. But right now, Toledo Christian, our current favorite. in the lead. Yes, our current favorite for the end-of-year trophy, right? And that pretty much wraps her up, Rebecca. That's it. We got a couple of stories in. Got a couple of stats in. And now, all we have to do is beg for some questions. <laughs> Please. No. Um... We'll, we'll keep managing to think of other fun things to talk about without prompting from our listeners. But if you want us to go off on a 10-minute rant about something you're passionate about, you can comment that or send us questions by sending them to uh, bdmonin at nktelco.net or submitting them on Twitter at to at brutesmonin. I said a whole bunch of sounds and syllables in there that didn't need to be there, but you know, that's how I talk. Thanks for listening. Yep. Please, if you listen to this, and if you do it by seeing a link on Twitter or... A very long link that doesn't else, seem to have a beginning or end. Correct. If you see that, just subscribe to us on Apple iTunes or on the iHeartRadio store. And maybe even more importantly... Keep a lookout for that Twitter pro- poll. Oh, yes. I have to. I had already forgotten. I, I promise <laughs> I'm going to do a Twitter poll. So, And maybe more importantly, if you're somewhere local to Minster, I could really use someone to teach me how to find out how many people listen to this podcast. <laughs> I would just like to know. <laughs> Please, if any of you have a podcast also, teach us how to do it. 
<laughs> you can put it out into the world, but that's about it. I would also love to see how many people stop by my website with computer points and minster stats on it. I saw a thing from an interview with Joe Idle where he said during week 10 last year, he had 2.3 million hits on his website. What? Lots of people keep checking in to see those computer points update at the end of the season. I figure I'm a little shorter than that. Just yeah. a little less. A, a, a little bit. Maybe only 1 million. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe a thousand. I don't know. But if he can get 2.3 million, I can get somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a link to my site on Joe's website. People might go there by accident. You never know. <laughs> but anyway, enough begging for technical help. <laughs> the season is half over, and we will see you again next week. As soon as Rebecca it. gets done laughing. We've been doing it for three years, four years, and we don't know how to podcast. <laughs> uh. And that sums it up here on Bruce Bonin's Computer Points. See you next week. I've... How many years has it been? <laughs>